Today, we're announcing we'll be sending even more weapons. Sourced from Colt Canada, we'll be sending 21,000 assault rifles, 38 machine guns, and over 2.4 million rounds of ammunition. Well, that was the Prime Minister Tuesday announcing um, a whole number of things while the Ukraine president was uh, in town. We'll be sending 59 million more in weapons and ammunition to uh, Ukraine. Also more sanctions and $2.5 billion more in aid. And the news comes on a day when we learn from data gathered by the Department of Finance that uh, Canadians are sharply divided over ongoing financial aid uh, for Ukraine. And a lot of people thinking, I think we've done enough. I mean, look, Canada is a NATO member. We have an obligation to to spend a minimum of 2% of our uh, individual national GDP on defense. We're nowhere close to living up to that obligation. Um, so as generous as we are in our support for Ukraine, uh, we are failing that particular obligation. While at the same time, I think a lot of Canadians say, look, we're failing our own military because we're giving all this stuff away and making all these other investments. And we don't have any actual real investment into our military, which is cobbled together with string and sticks and gum at this point. Our front lines need that. Um, They need actual help. So uh, why don't we get it to them? Richard Chamuka is a defense expert and senior fellow over at the McDonald-Laurier Institute and joins us now. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. All right. So, look, I think Canadians have been very, very supportive of this mission. No question about it. Um, But I do think at some point, you know, there have to be measures of expectations as to how much we can and will spend and what we can afford to spend. Given, Richard, we don't put a lot, we don't put the money needed into our own um, defense. Well, I, I think that's an argument that's made. I'm not too sure. I'm really that. Uh, I'm really that positive on it. I think that every dollar that we spend right now on helping the Ukrainians defend themselves against Russia really is dollars that we potentially don't have to spend to yeah. fight the Russians or you know defend against the Russians later on. Uh, if you look at how badly this war of aggression has wrecked the Russian economy, has wrecked their military, uh, obviously. Uh, it, it's really in some ways it helps us, right? Rather than letting them just take Ukraine and you know, or creating a puppet state or, or whatever, basically Russia is unable to sort of spend money to you know, on submarines or other sort of capabilities that would help them threaten our interests, which which they have, and they've 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 said so, you know, conflicting claims in the Arctic and and in Eastern Europe well, among our allies, so. In my view, uh, certainly, uh, I think that that helping Ukraine defend itself is, is is really, in some ways, a really strong investment. Can and you see that along among many of our allies say the same thing pretty universally. So this this is helping us in the long term. Yeah, I mean, look, we have been very, very generous, and certainly, I think uh, many would say punched above our our weight in in doing that. And and the hope would be, Richard, that yeah, we stop Russia by arming uh, Ukraine. The problem is, what if we have to defend ourselves? I mean, um, and, and I do think uh, that that Canadians actually have an appetite now for defense spending. I mean, I you wouldn't have to sell me on it, but I do think now that we're seeing these geopolitical threats, be it China, Russia, Iran, whatever, that Canadians are finally saying, okay, are we ready? And that there would be more of an appetite to say, yeah, we're going to finally do the investment into our own uh, military that needs to be done. Because at some point, yeah, we have to be able to defend ourselves um, because it's really a problem when you, you find out, oh, we, don't, we have nothing. So it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and we aren't still making, we're not making the kinds of commitments I think that we need to make. Maybe. Uh, I, I think, I see, the problem is that I'm not too sure that we've done that much 
So I'll take, for example, yesterday's announcement. Uh, there is a, the, you cited the mm-hmm. $2.4 billion in financial aid. That's a loan. It's not even like aid. We are basically expecting back that money at some point in the future. Albeit the, the defaulted. So the hope, but the, but the you know, and they, I know that they announced like uh, Canada will rebuild, you know, Ukraine once. It's so there are deals made, but a lot of it's on the presumption that, that things go according to plan. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I think at this stage of the war, though, I, I don't think even Russia believes that they're going to take the rest of Ukraine. I, I think that right now we're we're kind of, well, the West versus Russia is, is, is kind of defining what the the post-conflict outcome is going to be, is going to be some sort of line across Ukraine, whether it includes Eastern Ukraine versus somewhere in the Eastern Ukraine and Crimea. That's probably the question now, right? And how, how, how strong the sort of, the negative consequence, I should say, for Ukraine is, is what they're fighting, what that, what is, how the fighting is turning out right now, or is going to turn out from right now. So I think that that's part, part of it. We're, I think we're going to expect Ukraine with a country with Zelensky as its head or, or whoever, that's that's pretty assured at this stage uh, going forward. So um, that's that's probably what I would say. But in terms of actual funding, I mean, uh, we don't, especially in the past in the past couple of months, we're we're kind of out of stuff to give them. Yeah. If that makes sense, out yeah. of our own stock and our and our efforts to ramp up the military, it's going to take years. Like sure. this isn't. This isn't something that we can just going kind to of switch this money over quickly to support Canada. The need to rebuild Canada's military is, is it going to be a 20-year project at this stage. And, and it requires a commitment, not just for one or two years now, like what you look yeah. at in Ukraine, but 10, 15 years down the line, some of these large projects and uh, large systems that need to be placed, like our frigates, yep. submarines and whatnot, that's going to be, that's going to be the real uh, the test, let's say, for Canada, if it's really serious about defending its military, but that would be that would require a long term and actual like sticking to a plan because you know changes of government change ideas and you know get you get plans in place then the next government comes in and they reverse course and they cancel it. The reality is, I don't think we have a choice at this point, Richard. We have to we have to make these investments because we we are under threat and um, I think geopolitically, you know, we shouldn't just be expecting our allies to uh, come to our rescue. And frankly, I think they've signaled. Um, that we need to do more because they're not going to wait for us to get our act in order. And that's why we've been, I think, cut out of deals like AUKUS, um, the late submarine deal with, with Australia. Um, and so it's going to take a commitment, but that means the change of government, or if there is one, they can't reverse course on it. There's got to be this this actual investment. Absolutely. And I think you're starting to see, I think you've seen a bit of that realization now with the within the Trudeau government. Uh, there has been sort of, this hasn't been fully explain out in a single sort of news article or, yeah. or, or sort of news announcement by the government. But if you see a lot of the senior military leaders are talking about major uh, procurement projects that they really want to see out in the open. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of collate everything that's been sort of said together, it's pretty substantial. So at least there's, I think, a commitment within the government to say we're, we want to replace the submarines. Submarines are a big one, right? Yeah. We're going to replace our air defense, our, our air surveillance in the north, uh, a lot of our sort of uh, aircraft uh, capabilities, not just the fighters, but uh, our, our tankers, potentially airborne early warnings, a huge amount of equipment are, are being identified as needs to be replaced or needs to be purchased given our new threats. It's not really come together. And the budget didn't really, did not have any sort of money yeah. to uh, put towards this, but 
perhaps something they're going to announce in the next couple of years here as, as part of that, that they've realized that what you said is that our allies are actually pretty ticked off at what we're doing. We're not even saying we're getting close to 2%. Whereas the chief of NATO said, well, that should be the basement. Like that yeah. should be the, the floor, not the ceiling. And, and Canada's well, well, well below that, 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 that floor. So I think that they've kind of realized it. It's, it's really when it comes down to, are they going to put the money forward? Or are these good ideas that are actually going to be implemented in, in those coming years? And, and that's, that's the real question. Cause we've seen this, we've kind of seen this before uh, strong, secure and engaged, the 2017 government's uh, defense policy hasn't come through in a lot of places. And, and that's, you know, now they're starting, some of the money's coming in, it's a couple years late. We'll see it actually, if it actually continues on in the future. Right, right. Just quickly before I let you go, Richard, um, as far as um, getting stuff done, I mean, we do have a lot of companies here in Canada. So if we wanted, we could get tanks. I mean, they build tanks in Mississauga. There's a lot of building out in southwestern Ontario of other uh, military stuff. But, but, is the procurement of that here uh, not something we can do? I mean, how, how could we buy locally for some of the military stuff that we need? Certainly. Uh, your uh, uh, General Dynamic Land Systems produces armored vehicles, and yeah. we're set, we send, uh, I think, it's about 50 of them to, uh, to Ukraine. Yeah. The problem is, is that a lot of this stuff takes time to build. Uh, so you can't just, like, snap your fingers like, and, and just go buy a bunch of armored personnel carriers. It's usually a, two, a one- to two-year lead time process in order to, you know, when you make that decision to go and buy it. And, and the government didn't do that. They, they, they keep kind of doing these kind of measures where it's like, well, let's try to make, kind of find easy, like, oh, there's a couple extra rifles here, a couple ammunition here. Oh, we can make a package and make an announcement under that. So that's what happened yeah. yesterday, right? And, and the same thing happened in the fall with, with armored vehicles. So if they, were, if they were smart about it, last summer they would have kind of put forward plans you know, to to identify things and, and get them into Ukraine, they haven't done that. And a lot of this is kind of like very uh, haphazard kind of approaches to supporting Ukraine, where they should have had a plan. They sh- it should have been done much more. It should have been yeah. thought about in a much more coherent manner and, and planning put in place that would have been achieving results now. Yeah, like not wasting seven years on CF-18s, but exactly. nonetheless. All right, Richard, we'll keep talking. Very much appreciate it.